Welcome to the Biblical Channel, and we're continuing on in our series called Marriage is God's Idea. In the first part, we talked about the four pillars of uh, marriage uh, according to God. And now we're going to take a look at defining the relationship, which is going to be very important. And it's also perhaps something that you've never thought about, but is right there in the Bible, available for anybody to check it out. So check it out, we will. Um, so let's start off with this. Um, and again, um, this is for, you know, people who are thinking about getting married, people that are married uh, and have been married a long time. Maybe you need just a, a refresher or, a, you know, just a little reminder as to, you know, how cool marriage is, especially according to God, and how God defines the relationship, which might be surprising to you. So the conversation I'm going to have is going to sound like uh, it doesn't connect up, but it does. So hold tight. The conversation goes like this. What is the Trinity? And what's that all about, anyhow? Let's be honest. It kind of drives people nuts. And uh, then uh, it, it won't take long before somebody says, well, the word Trinity is not even in the Bible. True story. It's not. Um, but I want to work with the Trinity because it's what we're left with when Jesus gets done talking. You know, I mean, by the time Jesus is done talking and we have his words, um, we're left with very little to say other than God is Trinity. God is three in one. It's because Jesus talks uh, this way. Jesus says, well, the Father is God. Jesus also says the Spirit or the Helper is God. Jesus also says him too is God. The Son is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. It's awfully confusing, uh, especially when you understand that all the while Jesus doesn't change the narrative at all that there is only one God. Now, if you do have a Muslim friend, they will uh, be happy to make fun of you. And and uh, I know this is true. And and don't be offended by it because I, I get it. It's a little bit complicated. But if you have a Muslim friend, they will definitely call you a polytheist. They will say you worship many gods um, because they just simply don't get it. It seems it seems silly. And at first glance, maybe it does seem silly. I get it, you know, uh, uh, and I think God understands that it might seem silly to a lot of people. But it is important to know that it's not meant to be an unsolvable uh, kind of oriental riddle. No, no, not at all. It's not even meant to be some huge theological ponderance, you know, like, oh, you know, God, you know, as a trinity must be like an egg. There's the shell and the white and the yolk three, you know, or, you know, God is like water in three different forms, like water is a liquid and water in a frozen, you know, capacity or, or, or water is a gas. Now, all of that's heading straight down the wrong road. The first thing you need to put in your mind when God gives you something, it is meant to be delicious and good and useful, kind of like a cheeseburger, you know, a cheeseburger is delicious, it's good, and it's very useful as well. The news that God is giving us, the news that Jesus is giving us about God is quite simple. God is a relationship and God defines relationship. We might even say relationship is God's idea. Relationship is God's idea because it is what God is. 
I'm not saying that that made it incredibly easy, but I hope that it helps. According to God, marriage is the most important relationship that's on the planet. That's right. Um, when it comes to human beings on earth, it is marriage that is the most important relationship. And it's the relationship that God himself identifies with. If you ask the kids what, and I mean the kids, when you have kids and they are truly kids, if you ask them what the most important relationship is, they would think that they would tell you mom and dad. Um, and mom and dad taking and understanding that relationship is always going to be the kid's first importance. The kids always want mom and dad to understand what marriage truly is. And so for the sake of the kids, <laughs> let's, let's give this a bit of a think. Jesus, as we just talked about, unveils God as three in one. There are three persons in one God. Okay. Genesis, as we talked about the last time, unveils this, that marriage, that marriage is two in one, two becoming one. There is no other place in the Bible where this kind of mathematical formulation is, is talked about. There's no other relationship. There's no other thing that the Bible uses, you know, what we might call uncommon math. You know, God is three in one. Um, and, uh, well, a marriage is two in one. So what's going on here? Well, there is no other relationship that corresponds to God and imitates God like marriage. Marriage is given this extraordinary high place because only marriage can actually correspond to and imitate God in a intimate relationship. And I believe without a doubt that Jesus flashing to us that God is three in one and that marriages are two in one, that he expects us to make the connection that God is defining the relationship. Look at how Jesus talks about God himself and the spirit. See, that's the key. How does Jesus talk about God himself and the spirit? We need to go to uh, John chapter 14, and I'm going to read a passage that I want you to check out for yourself. I'm going to read a few uh, selections from it. I'm going to read from John 14, 8 to 11. I'm going to read John 14, 25 to 26, and I'm going to read John 17, uh, 1 to 5, it looks like. So it goes like this. So Philip, one of Jesus' guys, says, Lord and he's getting frustrated with Jesus, mind you. But he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Fill up. And then later he says, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in John 17, Jesus speaks these words as he lifts up his eyes to heaven. And he says, he's actually praying, but he says to Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Here's the takeaway. The ultimate relationship is God. And in the ultimate relationship that is God, one of the things that we see very clearly is that no one, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, no one is doing anything for themselves. They are doing everything to glorify, to uphold, to magnify, to make good the other. Okay, so catch this. So when you know Jesus is saying, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. Me and the Father are going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to you know, help you with all of my words, okay? So the Holy Spirit is going to bring you uh, to the Son, but the Holy Spirit is all about glorifying the Son. The Father is all about glorifying the Son, but the Son is all about glorifying the Father. Can you catch the drift here? It's not that hard to work out. This is the relationship of God. This is what a genuine relationship looks like. It is the whole idea of 100-100. And what I mean by that is the Father gives of himself 100% to the Son, to the Spirit. And the Son gives himself 100% to the Father. And the Spirit gives himself 100% to the Son and to the Father. Okay, so each person in the relationship is taking nothing for themselves and giving everything to the other. Okay, now, the first thing that we need to say is that the human idea of 50-50 equality based on 50-50 is straight from Satan's own mouth. It, it, it is nothing more than a delight for him, for, for us to think of equality as 50-50. Because it goes like this. As soon as your 50 drops to 49, then everybody's mad. And a fight is going to ensue. It's gloves off, you know, and, and the game is on. My 50 has dropped to 49. Heaven forbid my 50 has dropped down to 2%, you know, or something of that nature. We are exaggerators by nature. But 50-50 is just a fight ready to happen. But 100-100? Think about it. What can separate a relationship of being in each other and being 100% committed to the other and not yourself. Serving, giving, submitting, glorifying. These are the action words of the relationship that God is having within himself. These are the words that define the relationship of God and so therefore, when two become one, like three in one, well, guess what? All of those same words and ideas apply to marriage when two become one. It's a very beautiful thing. And so it's this idea 
that both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul carry into their, you know, talk about marriage. And, and let's be honest, uh, when we hear what Peter and what Paul say, they say something that usually stands the hair on the back of our necks up and we can't read the rest because it just simply seems, you know, wrong. And it's this, wives be subject to your own husbands. Oh, that's what Peter says. And then Paul says, wives submit to your own husbands. Oh my goodness, right? The Bible's so embarrassing. The Bible's so misogynistic. The Bible's so male-oriented, calling all women to be barefoot and pregnant before their husbands and giving him all the power and response. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. And anybody who has read these texts and thought that that's what they're talking about has not read these texts. So indeed, let's read those texts. Peter actually says this, likewise, wives, a key word, likewise, we'll come back to that in a minute. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, that they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they, seeing your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on a jewelry, and the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Paul's words go like this. Oh, I'm sorry. Peter, Peter closes by saying, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and humble mind. Then Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, so I think the most important words to, you know, word to get a handle on in Peter's letter, and that's 1 Peter chapter 3, by the way. Um, but the first word is likewise, which demands the question, like what? You know, I mean, you just don't drop the word likewise into a conversation without asking the question, like what? So let's take it back just one layer in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. What did Peter say that now he is saying likewise to both the wives and the husband? Peter says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The likewise that Peter says to both wives and husbands is like Christ. Be like Christ who suffered for you, is leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He says, likewise, to both husbands and wives, directing their attention to Jesus. 
Very important. God doesn't ask us to do something that God doesn't do as well. God subjects himself to us. Jesus subjects himself to the Father. Um, you know, Jesus shows honor to us. Listen, the whole package needs to be read in its entirety. And what Peter is saying that wives need to be subject to when it comes to their husbands is, is they need to be subject, first of all, because it's just the right thing to do to lower your conduct, especially if you have an unbelieving husband. Okay, so that's the first thing that he does say. But what he's really saying is wives be subject to your own husbands because the husbands are being told to live with their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they're heirs with you in the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So the package is about subjecting and showing honor. What, what Jesus, what God is calling wives to be subject to is a husband who is showing honor to them. Yeah, as the weaker vessel, and and that weaker vessel thing, I'm I'm always disappointed that that we can't, you know, the trans the translation is exactly as it is, weaker vessel. But what weaker vessel means to most people in the culture that read this for the first time, is the fine the fine china of the house. When it comes to peasants, the the weaker vessels is the fine china of the house, and that is most of the time the only thing that a peasant culture might ever own that is worth something, and so. Peter is, is telling husbands that they need to show honor, hospitality honor, honor like bringing out the fine china, showing honor to the woman because she is an heir. And catch this, she is an heir with you in the grace of life, complete equal. So what are wives being told to be subject to? Be subject to a husband who is showing honor honor to you and, and, and showing you, you know, sh you know, building you up and showing you off with great hospitality and care because they're your equal. And I love this, this phrase that Peter slaps on there to men. He slaps this uh, onto men because men need a slap. And that is so that your prayers may not hindered. What is Peter saying? He's saying, Hey men, don't even bother praying. And I suppose the women too, but don't even bother praying to God if you don't get your relationship right with your wife. That's big words. Don't even bother praying. God says, don't even bother coming to me with any other concern until you get your relationship with your wife correct, showing her honor, showing her honor. And then, you know, Peter clarifies himself completely when he says, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender hearts, and humble minds. You see, that's not for the wife. That's not for the husband. That's for everybody. That's for both of them. You know, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. And so also, Peter sees that Christ demonstrated being subject, the, the being subject that, that Peter is telling wives is the same being subject that Christ himself demonstrated, suffering for us and leaving us an example that we might follow in his footsteps of, of, of being, 
you know, sympathetic and, and, and loving and, and tender and humble, right? Um, and, and it's just this great package that God is asking us to do what God himself does. We see it in the life of Jesus Christ. We see it in the life of God throughout the, the, all the pages of the Bible. This is God, and this is the way God is, and this is the relationship that God is defining. So, no, we can never, if, if a man says, you need to be subject to your husbands, the wife should return that by saying, well, you need to show honor to the woman. You know, listen, and as soon as that conversation happens, then, you know, both are off the rails and not getting it. This is a positive conversation. This is a very good conversation because, once again, the, the, only the marriage is given this kind of, of, of command to be like this. Of course, we need to be like this to everybody. And we can have great relationships with everybody if we practice that relationship, you know, of 100-100. Of but we're never going to be able to do it with anybody else other than our wife, our, our permanent, our, our permanent heir in the grace of life with, or our husband. Um, we can only do it there because there, there is the intimacy that God has. The intimacy between a husband and a wife is the intimacy that God himself shares. And only they can truly pull off the 100-100 idea. So anyhow, Paul is saying the same things. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, but pay attention to what Paul says that the husbands have to do. The husbands need to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what is a wife supposed to be submitting to? A husband who is giving up his life for her sake. And we're not talking about catching a bullet out of midair. No, we're talking about the day in and day out uh, relational affairs between a husband and a wife. Be sacrificial. Christ was sacrificial, so men must be sacrificial towards their wives in all that they do, and with the kind words, with, with building them up, showing honor to them, just like Peter is saying. Peter and Paul are saying the same exact things. Yes, he is telling wives to be, you know, to submit to their husband, but he's telling husbands to be sacrificial towards your wife. Be 100% committed to each other. And if you are doing the 100-100 thing, what could ever come in between you? That's what makes God one. What could possibly come in between the, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit when their commitment is 100% devoted to the other? The answer is nothing. And so this is the special package of defining the relationship that God gives to only one place, and that is the marriage because marriage is God's idea so that marriage would actually imitate the way that God is with himself. Bam, bam, bam. That is good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And let's get it right. Let's get it right and show the world what a great godly marriage looks like. And let's show off our love for God as we show off our love for for our wives and our husbands. That's God's idea. Catch you next time.